Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. The views and opinions of this show are directly those of the hosts and its guests. It does not reflect the opinions of its affiliates or its sponsors. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens... When a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view, <laughs> something epic. This is Paratroop Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. We hope you guys are having a wonderful week. We are very close to Thanksgiving, which is crazy. Um, time just moves so dang fast. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, right off the bat, before we get into the show, I do want to just mention something so we don't forget later, which I doubt we would. But as most of you have probably seen, or at least some of you, we did post something on Facebook regarding a new little mascot for our show. Uh, it is a cool looking bunny. Uh, we figured that it really translated well with our show, considering how often we rabbit trail. Uh, so And go down the rabbit hole. And go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, and so the thing we posted, and if you haven't seen it, go ahead on our Facebook uh, account and check it out. Uh, it is, we're basically doing a little, uh, what do you call it? A, a, a competition, I guess. Contest. Uh, yeah. Giveaway. Contest uh, plus giveaway to, to figure out what the name of this mascot should be. So if you go check it out on our Facebook page, you could click the link uh, and be able to submit a name. And if you win, you get to choose between a t-shirt or a mug of your, you know, whatever size, color, et cetera, with an image of the new Parabunny on there. Uh, he's a pretty cool little guy. we got to give a shout out to our friend, Mark, who went ahead and made that for us. Uh, it yep. is really dope little guy. Uh, I know we originally we've talked about uh, doing a hellhound we had a hellhound once upon a time and we were going to do that again and then i was like eh, wait a second maybe, maybe we should do something different though a hellhound is cool just because it is to have a hellhound to guard your back but then that means we're going to hell and i really don't want to be there so <laughs> it makes more sense to do the bunny the bunny <coughs> yeah <clears throat> uh so anyway we will go ahead and jump on into the today's show because we do have a guest uh our guest is rich newman and he is the author of seven books including the ghost hunters field guide and ghost hunting for beginners he has made appearances on paranormal television programs around the world and has appeared multiple times on coast to coast am today he is joining us to discuss his latest book passport to the paranormal your guide to haunted spots in america so ladies and gentlemen Without further ado, Rich Newman. Um, well, you know, I'm I'm one of those '90s people that like uh, got all into, you know, shows like you know, sightings and unexplained mysteries and all that stuff. So, I mean, straight out of school, I was pretty much hitting up all the local haunted spots and all that kind of stuff, you know. And um, I've been writing 
pretty much since high school. So it kind of just made sense to kind of blend those two uh, passions and uh, started writing for Llewellyn about 10 years ago. All right. Yeah, I noticed that you, the one book that I I didn't even realize that you had wrote was Ghost, Ghost Hunting for Beginners. And I, I was fascinated by that because Eric and I have thought about writing a, a ghost hunting book as well because we've been doing this for 13, 14 plus years now, uh, just paranormal investigation and then podcasting as well. So it, it fascinated that you did that. And then going into the passport to the paranormal, just looking through the different locations and everything. I, I loved it just because North Dakota did end up in there, uh, even though it's not a place <laughs> that I had ever heard of, but um, I, Eric and I have gone to a couple places um, in North Dakota. Uh, Sims, North Dakota is a place it's a ghost town now and it's got hauntings there. Um, a couple of places in Fargo too, but it was cool to see that um, a specific place got there that I had never been to or heard of. So, but go going into the book a little bit, um, what kind of uh, inspired you to do this? Like, are you a traveler or was it, is it just a fascination for you? Um, yeah, well, I am a traveler. Um, when I, I was in the army in Germany for four years before I wrote the first book and had gone to a lot of like haunted places in Europe just for fun okay. and just kind of, you know, go to the cool haunted castles and all that kind of stuff. So when I kind of, uh, pitched Llewellyn, the very first book that they had me write was called the ghost hunters field guide, which mm -hmm. was actually 1100 haunted places in all 50 wow. states. Wow. Um, and so last year we kind of hit like the 10 year anniversary of that book. And then they were talking about, you know, how I would feel about maybe doing like an updated version of it. And my thought was, you know, I would just kind of, rather than, you know, do little tiny blurbs of 1100 places, I'd rather kind of whittle it down to my favorite spots, you know, across the country in each state and um, do something where I could put bigger, uh, more information about each one. And that's just kind of where so Passport Paranormal is kind of like the 10th year anniversary version of the Ghost Hunters Field Guide. Okay. Cool. So now, like, as I was going through this book, uh, I'm looking at the various states and cities uh, that I know personally and have, like, gone and investigated. Uh, and I was kind of surprised to find that some of the locations that you described aren't ones that I necessarily expected. So how did you go about deciding what locations would be featured in the final draft of this book? Well, I pretty much went with my favorites. Okay. Like, you know, if, if I... if um, so, okay, so I got to kind of like give you a little bit of another piece of information is that so for the last like five years, I've been working with Japan uh, Fuji TV um, on a show called Nandacore Mystery, and they pretty much travel the world going to places that have hauntings, Bigfoot sightings, uh, anything paranormal related. And so anytime that they came to America to do an episode on a haunted place, I got to go with them. So I've been kind of going with them, you know, to the Lizzie Borden house and Queen Mary and the Stanley Hotel and all these different places. And so when I was going through the the original go, uh, field guide for ghost hunters, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to just pick the places that I know are really good, that ghost hunters, if they go to, they have the best chance of getting something. 
and where I've had some good experiences and I put some of my experiences in the book too. Um, I really just, you know, I wanted a book that people could really use to go to places that they could actually go to and maybe actually have an experience. Right. Cool. So in any of the places that you put into uh, Passport to the Paranormal, do any stick out to you like being the most mem- memorable? Oh, man. Well, I, I live uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. So I'm kind of like right in a perfect center of the country. You know, nothing is too terribly, you know, far away from me, except maybe West Coast, you know. Um, and, and I still have to pretty much fly for that. So right. I've got a lot of great spots right here that I'm very familiar with because of the close proximity. Um, so I would have to give shout outs immediately to like my favorite haunts in the Limp Mansion in St. Louis and the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and even Myrtle's Plantation in Louisiana. All of those are just a, a few hours away from me, and I've been to them uh, multiple times. Um, my personal favorite spot on the planet, though, is the Limp Mansion in St. Louis, for sure. Is there a okay. specific reason as to why? Man, I just love everything about it. I mean, you're talking about an <laughs> old family. The Limp family uh, was one of the old, big, beer-baron families. Hung out with the Paps, hung out with the Bushes, and um, had this good thing going up there in high society. And then everything came crashing down with Prohibition. And the family goes to rack and ruin, and they start killing themselves one by one. Three suicides in the house, bam, 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 after another. A fourth mysterious murder off-site, but uh, but they still think that she haunts the Limp Mansion. They call her the Lavender Lady. Um, so many great appearances. It was once featured on the cover of Life magazine as the most haunted place in America. Um, so many infamous old-school ghost hunters, you know, uh, like Auerbach and people like that have, have been there and, like, you know, raved about it. Hans Holtz or people like that, you know, and it's just it's a cool history it's one of those places where we always get cool activity even when i took the japanese folks there we had great stuff happening on camera and it's just it's a it's just a cool haunted spot sweet Hmm. is there any that you would recommend being cautious about you know uh i always put scary things in context i think more people get frightened at haunted places just because of the context of uh you know they're having you know they're, they're walking through and they're in a good mood and then bam a door slams next to them and some people just you know they'll interpret that as it's telling us to get out of here you know and they're instantly like you know frightened of that you know whereas i'm more of the type to be like hey he's getting our attention he wants to talk whoever's here wants to chat you know turn on an audio recorder you know and so i no, I, I've never, because I don't really get frightened now, I've been caught off guard, you know, like I've been in a place in the dark, trying to plug a lamp in, in the dark, you know, so you can see, and then you hear, you know, I can remember at the decent house in, Ar- in, in uh, Mississippi, we were literally, I was in the dark, feeling to plug in a plug, and right in my ear, it sounded like something cupped their hand over my ear and went, Ugh. And just it came out of nowhere, you know, so I instantly just kind of you know, stood up and walked out of the room, you know, just to go, you know, get myself back together again. Then I got right back in there, you know, like, I, you know, dark history. I, I like that stuff, but it doesn't really scare me, you know, I guess. Okay. Well, no, 
and you've been, you've been to many of these places. Um, so you, you know, you've witnessed some of this activity, which gives you your own credibility, uh, as to why you believe these things, but for some of these hauntings, uh, where maybe you had to do the research, where did you find the most credibility in those hauntings? Because it just by word of mouth that you trust, or did, is there something that more significant that, that led you to believe it? You know what? I always give people the benefit of the doubt. I, I like good firsthand account experiences. I know a lot of people always say, you know, that's not proof. And it's not. It's not proof. But I, you know, I'm not the I'm not the kind of person that I just I they're a liar, you know, and just and blow off their, you know, someone lives in a house 10 years and they have personal experiences for, you know, for 10 years in this place. And then some people just want to blow that off, you know, without a second glance. You know, and then or they go in the house and they're there one night and nothing happened, you know, so their one night of nothing, you know, trumps 10 years of experiences by three families, you know, that's spanned a decade, you know, some kind of thing. So uh, I, I just choose to believe accounts when they're given to me. And if it turns out later that I can kind of prove that they weren't right or they didn't really pan out to be the most believable thing, you know, that's fine. But I think it's good for paranormal investigators to listen to firsthand accounts because not only is it easier than saying, well, I don't believe you, but I'm going to debunk everything you're saying tonight. You know, it's just, just kind of rude coming into their house. Um, I think you're going to, you know, they're probably telling you the best spots to set up your gear. I mean, if they've seen a woman standing on the stairs for 10 years, I'm putting a damn camera on the stairs. You know, right. if they tell me they hear voices in a certain bedroom starting about midnight, well, you bet at midnight I'm going to have an audio recorder in there. So, like, I, you know, I, I just sort of choose to believe the firsthand accounts. It may pan out later that I'm wrong, but I would rather err on that side than just, you know, say, I'm debunking you. You're a liar and I'm going to prove it, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, th I think like like for us, you know, when, when we're doing investigations and doing the research on it, uh, you always have to listen to what people are saying. Uh, and some of those things could be discredited uh, in the end. But I think there's if there's enough witnesses, you start to see maybe an overlap of some of the witness accounts, which kind of help add credibility to some of these hauntings, uh, like a certain door shutting at a certain time or a certain smell in the atmosphere, like uh, cigar smoke. I, you know, there's a couple of places uh, that we've investigated where people are like, oh, I smell the cigar smoke, you know, and these people don't know each other. So it's like, well, how do you all smell the same thing? You're not talking, you know, so there has to be some sort of significance to that. For sure. And, and I mean, like when you go to the Crescent Hotel and you tell them you want to stay in the most haunted room and they and they suggest, you know, Thea, Theodora's room, there's a reason for that. It's because they've had, you know, hundreds of customers come up and tell them what is going on with that room? You know, like I saw you know, crazy stuff in there and yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, you know, what a credible, if you're truly an investigator, I mean, this would be like the cops, you know, dismissing eyewitness accounts and witnesses, you know, at a crime. It just makes no sense if you're going to be an object, you know, an objective investigator. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, you should always, give some type of credence to people's firsthand accounts, obviously. Um, debunking should be something you're doing without them kind of understanding or knowing what you're doing. Um, with that being said, though, is has there ever been 
that one piece of evidence that you're like absolutely 100% this is proof that this is a haunted location or it has it been multiple things together that have made you come to that conclusion? Oh, well, I've definitely had, I've had enough personal experiences at this point that, I mean, if, if there was ever any lingering doubt that, you know, that I believed in ghosts and hauntings would be dashed away in oblivion. Um, well, just, okay. I, a perfect way to sort of address this is to talk about the show that I've been working on with Fuji TV. Now, Japanese folks are very superstitious about ghosts and hauntings and they mm -hmm. approach them kind of in a more interesting way. I've figured out than, than Western people do. I like, I like the, uh, the Asian approach to ghosts and hauntings. But when things happen in real time with those folks, man, they get serious. You know, like they, they get legitimately frightened. They'll get pale. Several of the crew will have to leave the area, like things like that. So, I mean, like we were shooting at the Limp Mansion. The show is kind of funny, like just a brief rundown. So they have an actor, a comedian that's popular in Japan. They fly them to America under a false pretense. They'll say, hey, it's a big beer festival, and you're going to be our correspondent at it. And then they stick them in a haunted hotel in a haunted room that we have cameras all over the place, and the fun ensues. <laughs> and they, they approach it from almost like a funny like an angle because, because they take it so serious. If the show was actually scary, they would never be able to show it in primetime television in Japan. So, like, when we were at the Limp Mansion, they had this poor guy sleeping in the Lavender Lady suite. And on camera, live, we see the door to the room open up and a ball of light, not an orb, an actual ball of light you can see with your naked eyes, floats through the doorway into the room. It just hovers at the foot of the bed like it's looking at him on camera. <laughs> now... Oh. I had a very real, real, real fear because this is downtown St. Louis. <laughs> I was like, man, I want to go make sure there's not a guy with a flashlight standing at the, in that room that we can't see, you know, by that door. And so we run down there, go to the door, which is still standing open. The ball of light has disappeared. There's no one there. And I turn to the producer. This is the funny part. I turn to the producer and I say, I guess you got a, a real, a real ghost light on camera. And he's, scared he's just looking at me like what like what is happening and if and then right between us there's a foot gap and a fork falls out of thin air between us and falls on the floor what interesting <laughs> a fork like comes out of nowhere like i'm looking at him and it just drops between us we're standing a foot apart because it's dark and the guy's asleep in the very next room a fork just materializes and falls on the floor that's crazy hmm. <laughs> well during uh well either the show or just your own investigations do you ever find that anything uh follows you home or has an attachment to you after these these nights out um it's you know it's never it's never happened to me um okay. i have ran across a few ghost hunters you know you get out you start talking more stories and things i've definitely had people who talk about that and I always wonder, like, you know, how much of it is just, you know, sort of almost like PTSD. You left a really extreme haunting and it kind of messed you up, you know, or legitimately even frightened you. And now you're at home and every little sound you're, hey, what's that? You know, like, what's going on? 
you know, I would like to think that they would be good enough investigators that they wouldn't fall for that, you know, but I wonder, you know, if it is almost like a ghost hunter PTSD kind of thing. Right. It's interesting. When it, like, I know Justin and I have never even thought of that. You know, when we think of an attachment, uh, we think of it as a legitimate attachment. And Justin has had right. a couple of them during our investigations, uh, but it very well could be more of a mental thing. And that's something we've talked about a lot on the show is how much of one's own mentality goes into uh, paranormal hauntings. Uh, you know, are ghosts real or is it just a figment of our imagination based on media, mainly horror movies and things like that? Uh, but the idea of PTSD from something uh, as simple as an investigation is kind of an interesting concept. So that's, re- that's really cool that you brought that up. Sure. Well, and also, I mean, we're talking about the paranormal. And right. so, I mean, anything goes, <laughs> you know, like if somebody, t- if someone is legitimately, you know, I know they're a good investigator and they do everything by the book and uh, they're telling me, no, man, something came home with me. Well, I'm, you know, once again, you know, I, I believe I'm going to believe their story, you know, and go with that. Right. I've just never had that happen to me personally. Right. Well, for me, Eric has a very good point. I've had at least two that I can think of where I didn't have an attachment with the one. We had done um, an investigation at a lake and I had something really messing with me, but it didn't like follow me home or anything. Um, I, I always bring this up just because it's kind of like a notch in our belt. Um, we, we got to do a, an investigation in Jeffrey Dahmer's family home. And after that investigation, we went back to Eric's house, you know, we're, we're saying our goodbyes. I go to my car. I'm feeling like something is there. Um, and I, I just say, you are not allowed to get in this car with me. You're not allowed to come home with me. Go away. Audibly, I hear goodbye, Justin. Uh, Could have been a PTSD thing situation because I'd also gotten touched at that house and it freaked me out. Absolutely, I I think I I would accept that as an explanation. But usually if I hear something audible, it's when I consider it not just my fears or, or coincidence or something like that. Well, sure, man. And I mean, and nobody knows better than you, you know, what happened. So, right. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't consider myself in the debunking business for anything, you know, like, I mean, (laughs) it's called for me, you know, it's called paranormal for a reason. I mean, strange things. I've done cases were just bizarre. Well, the fork thing is pretty bizarre, but I mean, you have these strange things happen that really don't fit under the banner of any kind of one phenomenon. You know, everyone thinks you're going to walk in to the haunted place and go like, this is a residual. It just fits. You know, it, here's the checklist. And it's definitely a residual haunt, you know, or, you know, or this is intelligent spirit. And sometimes just things happen and you're like, well, I had no idea what that is. You know, like right. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. <laughs> For sure. I mean, and I think it, it, it's really, like you said, it, it depends on the individual uh, because there are plenty of, people who can go into a haunted location and experience something, no matter how big or small, but there are some individuals who are so closed off to the idea of the paranormal and the existence of ghosts that they will never witness a thing. And if they do, they blow it off so easily as if it's just 
you know, a passerby. It's, it's means nothing. So, you know, it's, and it's difficult because science doesn't really want to prove the existence. They're not going out of their way to prove the existence of ghosts. They're trying to debunk it. And that's where the majority of media tends to focus, uh, especially in, in their investigations anyway, uh, is, oh, if, how do we debunk it? And if we can't debunk it, then it must be real. Uh, unfortunately, with that kind of mindset, people are always going in debunking instead of trying to uh, go in and prove the existence. And I can understand why, right. you know, and you try to prove the existence, you can easily uh, allow your own mind to manifest something or accidentally manifest it by doing something yourself, touching a door or moving an item and forgetting that you moved that item and going back later, like, oh, that wasn't like that, you know? Uh, right. So it, it's weird. It's really weird. I, I wish there was an easier way to go about some of these investigations and show more proof. But I think there's always going to be somebody who's like, no, 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 no. That's 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 not happening. That's not real. Well, absolutely. Well, I mean, and this is also how in the last, I would say, well, since the sort of the invent of the popular ghost hunting show, mm -hmm. um, people in the, especially in the ghost hunting community kind of misuse the word skeptic. Um, because a true skeptic is open-minded. Mm -hmm. A true skeptic mm -hmm. is willing to go with the flow with what's happening and, and examine evidence on, on, you know, a case by case basis sort of thing. Whereas in the ghost hunting world, I figured out pretty quick when somebody comes up and says they're skeptic, what they're really saying is I doubt that it's, that it's really ghosts. I doubt there's ghosts, you know, <laughs> but then I have to call kind of BS on that because you know what? If skeptic means I don't believe it, I'm a skeptic um, of sea monsters. So you know what? I'm not hunting sea monsters because I, I truly don't believe – I, I kind of do believe in sea monsters. But I'm just making it – I'm making a, an example. You know, if I truly don't believe in sea monsters, I'm not buying a boat and going out looking for them. You know, like <laughs> the people – you know, I'm skeptic about ghosts. Well, why in the hell you have four cases of gear then? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i don't think you're a skeptic buddy i think you think you get more credence if, if you say you're a skeptic right. um you know but i you know i'm cool with all that stuff <laughs> yeah I, I, you know again i think that's just their way of playing into the system and making people making themselves seem more legitimate so when they do right. find some sort of evidence people are like oh it must be real if a skeptic now believes it um it. It, it is really interesting. You mentioned like the modern ghost uh, hunter shows. When Justin and I first started doing paranormal podcasting it was back in 2008. And right around that time, ghost hunters, I was really just starting to pick up um, the, the show ghost hunters uh, with taps. And so it, it was like the paranormal, not necessarily new, but it was a new age of paranormal uh, investigating and TV. And we saw how it changed 2008 to 2021. I mean, and even with taps alone, uh, there was a section where everybody believed everything that they were finding. Uh, and then there was a moment not too long ago where ghost hunters actually got canceled because they were falsifying evidence. And I remember the first time I noticed that I was watching a show and one of their investigators was walking past the door uh, in night vision. And you see his whole body was from a static camera sitting behind him. And he walks past the door, reaches out just slightly with his right hand and touches the door and walks past it and then stops, walks backward as the door is slowly opening because of the momentum he put on it, bumps it and says, oh my God, this door just opened by itself. And I'm like, the evidence is literally right there for the entire world <laughs> right. to see. Uh, and they got canceled. And now, go, you know, the show's back now. And I'm sure they had to go through this whole new contract of, you know, 
I don't know, trying to rebuild their credibility, I suppose. But it's just crazy to think of how these ghost shows have changed so much. And now it's like not just trying to find evidence of the paranormal, but it's just simply entertainment uh, as opposed to some sort of you know, scientific show. Well, and I think that's, yeah, and, and what you're saying is right. I mean, it's funny because when those shows were kind of just dropping, was kind of around the time, you know, my first book, I want to say it came out, what, 2000, I think it was 2008, 2009. Maybe that was when I was writing it. But anyway, there was about a three or four year period there, especially with my first three or four books, where going to paranormal conferences, I mean, pretty much all the speakers, you know, were some member of TAPS and, Mm -hmm. you know, and things Mm -hmm. were, you know, all that stuff was going on. And I was actually even approached by Pilgrim TV at one point to uh audition for ghost hunters international okay um but i i they didn't know it but i was really good friends with one of their investigators on that show and she basically said don't do it they don't pay you anything you know like (laughs) blah 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 blah, that kind of thing and basically scared scared me out of it you know but um you know when anytime you have producers on a show something's got to happen to make that show good and I think that what's really happening now with uh, the ghost hunting stuff is the blowback of a show like Ghost Adventures. Because mm-hmm. now, you know, you got a show where Zach is getting possessed every other episode and, <laughs> you know, and all of this crazy stuff that, have, that never happens, you know, when we're ghost hunting. You know, we don't go ghost hunting with our circle of friends and someone's on the floor going, Sarah's in me and I'm possessed and, <laughs> and, and, and all this, you know, this kind of stuff. And the producers see that on the other shows and they go, well, we got to beat ghost adventures. You know, we got to make stuff happen on this show, man. And it's tough when, you know, you're standing there working for, you know, whoever that entertainment company is. And you got a producer going, man, something's got to happen or this, or this episode, nothing, you know? Right. Yeah. It's unfortunate that we have gotten into a society where, we are watching a paranormal show and nothing happens. We get bored and we're like, screw this. There's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing into the paranormal. They didn't catch anything. They didn't catch anything. Come on. Right. Um, and it gives a false, um, reality to what the, the other paranormal teams that don't have TV shows are doing. And most times you're not going to get evidence or you're going to get a piece of evidence or you're going to sit there for 12 hours, eight hours, six hours. And you're basically just twiddling your thumb, kind of falling asleep because it, it is kind of sparse sometimes depending on the location. Um, especially when you're getting into residential stuff, because there is so much stuff that, can be debunked um, just because of faulty wiring in a house and things of that nature. So, yeah, I I, I think that the quote-unquote reality shows, and that's all reality shows, it's not reality. It's a type of reality that we use as entertainment. Well, sure. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I actually give us as paranormal enthusiasts more credit for our attention span. I think we are actually more forgiving 
and would actually probably welcome a show where they're being very careful in the dark and doing things methodically. And at the end of the show, you get to see what re- what they really got, you know, right? without the, oh, what was that? And, you know, and then right. you, it turned out it was, you know, one of the other workers bumping into them, you know, when the commercial comes back. You know, I mean, I, I kind of give us more credit, you know, for that. I It's the producers, you know, that I think are, you know, it's, it's the TV companies that's doing this stuff, you know. But, you know, like, I mean, you can't say enough, though, too, about like, and even Zach Baggins, you know, look at that dude. If, if you go back and you watch the first uh, paranormal, what was it called? What was the first thing? Ghost Adventures, the little documentary that he did. Yeah. It was great. It was. It was great. I loved it. I mean, sure, they yelled and they jumped out the window when the brick flew, but, you know, hey, you know, all of us can have a moment of being startled and, you know, freak out. You know, right. that documentary is great. You look at that now compared to the show as it is on television right this minute. Yeah. yeah. Total different thing. And I have to believe a lot of that just is from the fame and the producers and, and just trying to make good, like you said, good TV, making good entertainment. Instead of actually trying to appease the paranormal, right? Right. And that's because in the end, you know, ratings is what makes or breaks a show, and it's also what brings in the money. So if you're not pulling in the ratings, there's no show, right? Uh, and you and we see things like you know Zach now he he just released uh, was the haunted museum series uh, where they're doing the like little thirty minute films, uh, narrative films regarding various. Right. Uh, objects in his museum which is a really good show i really enjoy it uh but it kind of goes to show what he's actually interested in as he's starting to move back into narrative work instead of documentary um do you think he's setting himself up to do kind of like the warrens thing with the uh the paranormal museum thing probably (laughs) absolutely i mean he's not dumb like I, i think at this point he knows uh okay i've been doing ghost adventures for how many years like i'm in right. my late mid 40s late 40s whatever he's at now uh right. he's like, i'm getting a little old for this i need something else to to move forward and he's you know kind of taking a step back in this case uh working more the executive producer side of things and letting someone else take over the mantle in, in terms of actual production work and he continues to make his money and do what he loves to do while not necessarily being fully in the spotlight i think it's a good call on his part i'd do it too <laughs> Well, sure. I mean, well, I mean, I think everyone knows for sure that he's genuinely interested in this. Oh, for sure. For sure. (laughs) I mean, people don't spend their whole lives doing this stuff if they're not genuinely, you know, interested in it. And and I don't like I say, I, you know, working with producers, you know, it's hard when they're on you, you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know the pressures that he faces, you know, from, you know, that's a consistent top 10 show for the Travel Channel. You know, I mean, it's always in their top 10 shows period right you know not just for ghost hunting shows so he probably faces a lot of pressure you know that you know that we don't have every day you know so i don't know hopefully hopefully something like that you know gets him back to his original you know interest and you know makes him back on track you know kind of be like the the old ghost adventures right oh for sure and i, and I think it's like <laughs> for him there's probably a lot of balance between him and the producers like i'll give a little of this if you guys give a little of that right um because he doesn't want to i don't think i don't think he wants to produce fake material i think he genuinely wants true product for his fans but he doesn't have a show like um uh destination unknown for example 
where Josh Gates travels the world and gets to experience all these various cultures and things. He's kind of just stuck going state to state. And many of these places we've seen multiple times over however many seasons, you know? Uh, So I I understand. And personally, like I've worked in the film industry for uh, six years now, and I've worked with independent filmmakers regularly. And as a producer, I'm always trying to find that balance. Like I know what the filmmaker wants. They want full, you know, they want full authority over their project. But I'm like, but as a producer, you don't really get full authority. We need to do this. So where can we find that balance? You know, Uh, and that's probably what he's going through. Oh, for sure. All right, Rich. Well, it is about that time to let you go. So I wanted to give you the chance to tell everybody where they can find you, find your books, all that good stuff. If you're making any appearances, the mic is all yours. Uh, well, you can just go to the, I have the website, richnewman.us. Um, pretty much has links for my Llewellyn publishing page and Amazon page and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at filmgorilla, G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A. And um, that's about it. All right. All right. All right, Rich. Thank you so much for being on Paratruth Radio. Thank you for having me. Anytime, man. Anytime. All right, folks. That was Rich Newman, author of Passport to the Paranormal, along with several other books, as we mentioned earlier. So make sure you check him out. Uh, All of his information will be in the show notes um, or on paratruth.com. And you can find, you know, pretty much wherever he's at. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear Eric's random fact of the day, a quick commercial, and we will be right back right after this. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. Did you know that 7% of American adults believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows? According to thefactsite.com, 7% doesn't sound like a lot, but it actually works out at about 16.4 million American adults. So it's an alarming fact when you think about it. This shows that 1 in 10 Americans has a flawed understanding of basic science or where their food comes from. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Welcome back to Paratooth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. 
And we were just on the line with Rich Newman. He is the author of Passport to the Paranormal, Your Guide to Haunted Spots in America. Fun guy to talk to. Yeah. I enjoyed talking to him, not just about the book, but paranormal as the whole. Yeah. You know, one thing that I really do like about this book is the fact that it is really a guide to these various haunted spots that people like you and I or our listeners can actually go and see themselves. Uh, I think there's a lot of haunted locations on television that are very inaccessible to people like us uh, who who don't have all the ins and outs and the connections. So I think that's really cool. Some of these places we've been to that are in this book. uh, And I know I'd asked him, you know, how did he come up with uh, which locations would appear in the final draft here? Uh, And he chose his favorites. And I was surprised because I was looking through Savannah, Georgia, which by the way, also interesting because, you know, he does every state and for Georgia, all three are in Savannah that he chose, uh, which makes sense considering it's the most haunted city in the world. Um, But one that wasn't in there was Moon River Brewery, which is one of the biggest haunted locations uh, in Savannah. It's very well known and it has been all over television over the last several years, uh, which is why I asked him that question. It's like, well, that's weird that that particular location isn't there, but the other ones Mm -hmm. are all still very big locations too. Like I like I mentioned while he was on air, you know, we've got multiple locations in North Dakota that are haunted and are accessible to the public, like the former governor's mansion here in Bismarck, North Dakota. Uh, You and I went to Trollwood Park, which is open to the general public. Um, Maybe not as as uh, uh, active as the places that he mentions in the book, but there are other places here that have a paranormal uh, history. So it is interesting to see what ones ended up in this book. I I would love to read um, the, the guidebook to ghost hunting or or whatever it was that Mm -hmm. he had wrote um, to see, because he had said 1100 locations in there. So I'd love to see what ended up in that book compared to this one. Right. Uh, I think that was that the ghost hunters field guide. I think that's what. Oh, that's what it was. Yes, sorry. Um, so if if you're listening today, um, and you you think Eric sounds a little bit different, uh, he actually upgraded his mic, so he's got that Ta-da. smooth baritone voice, uh, radio voice, compared to what he's had in the past. Yeah. Hello, ladies. <laughs> 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 so looking through the locations in the book you you brought up savannah but um is there any places that you see on there that you would really want to go to uh is savannah one that you would want to go and investigate for sure is there other places on in there Oh, I mean, always Savannah. I mean, you can just step into the town and you're already on an investigation. That's one thing I love about Savannah. <laughs> you know, you can literally go anywhere and there's something happening. Um, you know, there, there. I mean, there's, there's a couple, especially down like in the deep south, Louisiana. You know, I'd love to check out some stuff down there, right. especially in the New Orleans area, um, Missouri. I, I, there's something about the deep south and the just with the rich history that it has. Um, I, I think there's this interesting, cool connection, cultural connection uh, between people and the hauntings that exist because of it. Um, so I definitely think that that's something I want to check out. 
and also the New England area, you know, Connecticut, Delaware, uh, Massachusetts, so those areas I think are also uh, on my list. You know, we've talked about Salem, for example, uh, was hoping to go there this month, didn't work out. Uh, so right. hopefully we get there, you know, sooner than later, but we'll figure it out. Right. All right. So Eric mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, we're doing a contest for our new mascot. Uh, we'll just call him Parabunny for now. Um, we've had multiple people submit um, names for for the rabbit. Um, so I thought I would go through what we have so far, and I'll be leaving a link for the... Google form. If you are listening to this on any of the multiple places that you can find the show, you can just click it and put in your vote. Um, so we've got Herbert Finkelfuss, Jasper, Reaper, Buck Truth, Ether Mer- Merillion, Lord P. Heratruth, Barnabas Bunny. Count Parahair, Paratooth, Mad Rabbit, Doc Hair Razor. That one's kind of good. I kind of like that one. Uh, Roscoe, Dr. Hoppers, Baron Wilhelm von Gul, uh, Byron Heathcliff, and Phosmos. Yeah, they're all really Anyone's, good names too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the the one the one that I thought was kind of cool was Phosmos because uh the person that submitted it said like phosmophobia, which is the fear of ghosts. Right. You know, I think it's really <laughs> I actually think it's kind of funny that uh some of our listeners are submitting names and then explaining what the name <laughs> is or means. And we've had a couple of them that are like that. Uh, so one thing that I do want to mention though, is we have, so I think that's roughly, I think that was 16 names that we currently yes. have listed right. through the link. Uh, so we want you guys to keep going, keep sending us stuff. Those of you who haven't yet, if you come up with a name, send it through that link. That link is our primary guide to these names. Uh, but we do have other names that I've seen, Justin has seen on the actual post itself, uh, we'd really appreciate for those of you who haven't used the link to take that name you posted and put it in the link, but we will consider using, going through those names as well that have been posted, uh, just right. so we have a full, you know, so don't worry. You're, you're not out of the running for this contest. Uh, but it'd be a lot easier for us if you guys would go ahead and use that link so that everything's in one place. We don't got to scroll through all of our media feeds, uh, to try to find out what the names were that you guys are, are submitting. Right. So any particular names that jump out to you right away before I, Oh, the other part of this, before you answer that, um, we are going to be taking, um, submissions through November 30th because then we will be recording December 1st so that we can announce the winner because the, the winner will be announced on December 5th, uh, our December 5th episode. So make sure you get any of your submissions in by November 30th, no later than November 30th by 11.59 p.m., we'll say, um, so that you can be considered for the, the contest. Okay, so right. 
any names yeah, so mean, far that jump out to you? Uh, right now, one that just that did jump out to me yesterday. It actually made me it made me chuckle, and I was I was naming off some of these to my mom and my sister <laughs> last night, and it made them just, especially my sister, just lost it. Uh, I can't remember the full. I don't have it up right now, but I can't remember the full name. But it's the one that was uh, Hera Truth, the little play on Hera Truth. Lord P Hera Truth. Lord P. Heritage. I just, it's clever. It's really clever. <laughs> it's really funny to me. Uh, and I, I do, I like it. Uh, but yeah, you know, there, there, there are a lot of names to go through and a lot to consider. Um, you know, and I think just, you guys have an idea of, at least on my side, I don't know, Justin's going to have his own opinion and that's something he and I still need to discuss once we actually sit down and go through all these names together. Um, but like, I'm, I'm, con- my concerns are one, uh, the difficulty of the name, uh, not that name, just names in general. Uh, so how is it spelled? Things like that. Uh, two, how long is the name? Because something really long is, though it could be justified, I think it could be difficult if we decide to post some of these names on t-shirts and and mugs and things like that, especially the smaller items. Um, and of course, the third is um, overall context of the name or understanding you know it, I, I know we it, i think for me it'd be nice to have a name that when people see it they connect it and they understand it so that they're not like oh what does this mean and what is the reason for this name let's look it up you know and have to do that kind of thing so those are my own personal thoughts behind it that very well can change i very easily change my mind a lot just for the hell of it um <laughs> But you know that I know Justin has had his own. He's already shared a couple of of his thoughts on what names he really does like so far, um, and I, I know one of them. I was like, I like it, but mm, here's the reason I don't. <laughs> That's the kind of thing we're going to be going through for for the next couple of weeks here. Uh, but yeah, you know, I I think I, I'm really excited to see what you guys are coming up with. Um, and well, the one one fun. thing we can do is shorten the name if we do pick a name that's really long. Yes. Uh, yes. Prime example. Uh, we'll go with the one that I like, Baron Wilhelm von Gul. We mm-hmm. could just call him Baron von Gul. Yeah. Cut out the first name. Um, or Herbert Finkelfuss. Just call him by his fir- first name, Herbert. Um, stuff like that. But the thing that fascinates me about this is people are giving him titles. Lord, Count, Doc, Doctor, Baron. Um, never even crossed my mind that he would have a title. Right. And so for those of you listening who have maybe used some of those titles, what is the reason? Is it, is it just because it sounds good or does it have to do with the image of our rabbit? itself because right. you know, uh, <laughs> it, he is clothed we didn't want to put a fully naked rabbit out there although he's not wearing pants but you know it's a rabbit well what cartoon rabbit does wear pants really i mean <laughs> true true <laughs> uh, uh but yeah you know that's something i consider because he kind of looks like he could be a baron or or a doctor or, you know a lord of some sort um but you know i, I have a theory about the doctor thing okay and it, it could be completely false so those that submitted, please tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, doc or doctor, um, like the doctor from Doctor Who, mm-hmm. or he's got he's got a very long kind of trench coat, sort of, and, and a vest, like Doc Hairraiser from like Doc Holiday. Mm-hmm. So, and mm-hmm. it, it kind of does have that feel a little bit. Um, 
so I, I can see the, the doc part, but Baron Wilhelm von Gull, uh, Count Perher. Does he look like a, a vampire? Please tell us, because I, I would love to know. He does one have one hell of a like sharp buck teeth. <laughs> Just be piercing people left and right with that thing. <laughs> so, um, next week. Uh, we're going to be talking to Katrina Rasbold about her book, Uncrossing, Identify, Cleanse, and Heal from Hexes, Curses, and Psychic Attacks. Uh, really interesting, and I'm interested to, to get through the book and, and talk to her about it because it is something we've talked about quite a bit here on Paratruth Radio, uh, protecting yourself, getting rid of that negative energy stuff once you do a paranormal investigation and things like that. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, this is our official Thanksgiving episode. Uh, and I think it's a, I think we picked a good uh, topic, the, the passport to the paranormal. Cause we have done, uh, what was it? Um, Pilgrimage to the Paranormal. That that was the episode we did. Um, so it kind of had that feel. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of you wonderful people that listen to us every week. Uh, any last words there, Eric? Uh, no, just everybody stay safe this week, and uh, we'll catch you all next week. All right, folks. Until next week, where you'll find us, same time, same channel, same network, which is Evergreen, uh, po- uh, that is powering killerpodcast.com. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This is That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.